Hey guys, this is Brett. I'm the lead pastor at Engage City Church right here in Spruce Grove, Alberta, Canada. Thanks for taking some time out of your schedule to listen. We love you and we hope you enjoy this. In the Bible, is anyone ready to get into the Bible today? That's why we're here anyways. We're here to hear from uh, Jesus himself. John 3, because we might as well go there. John 3. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Now that's great. We all know this one. But what we forget is that verse 17 is equally as important. (laughs) God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Now, we love the first one, but we sometimes, in our judgy Christian past, do not like this one so much, because God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him or to save the world through Jesus. This was never about God's people being judgy. It was about God's people pointing people to the one and only Savior, Jesus Christ, who he came and gave his life for us to die. So if you died for us, we could have everlasting life and true relationship with God, that is an incredible thing, that we could have a real one-on-one personal relationship with the creator of the universe. That is kind of a big deal. That's why Jesus came. If you're trying to figure out what God's plan was, God's plan was and is Jesus. This question has been asked for generations. What's God's plan? What's God's plan? What's God's plan? What's God's plan? Well, I hate to break it to you, it's already come. Even though we have books and magazines and articles dedicated solely to discovering God's plan, God's plan is, was, and always will be Jesus who came to save the world, not to judge the world. That is God's plan. Now this leads us to a second question, but what's God's plan for me? Anyone ever answered that question? Oh, answered that. If if you've answered it, you're a genius. Uh, Anyone ever asked that question? Anyone still asking that question? (laughs) I just want to find God's God's will for me. Okay, okay, okay. Let's keep talking about God's plan. In Hebrews 10, in the 10th verse, it says this. For God's will, talking about what's God's will? Here it is. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Once and for all, God's will was that Jesus would come, die for us, so we could be made right with God once and for all. Verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 10. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right He just sat down. Is there any other greater feeling in the world than just sitting down? You know what I mean? Like, there's just something that's like, ooh, I'm just going to sit for a minute. There is something nice about sitting down. And then, like, I mean, it's even nicer when it's in a nice padded chair. When we started the church here, we had green, hard plastic chairs. So everyone's like, let's just keep standing in church. But there is nothing better than that moment when you just get to sit down. It's like I mowed my lawn yesterday. Praise God, it's a miracle. And it's looking great. You know, I'm not going to lie, it's looking great. And uh, you mow the lawn, and it's cold now, so I didn't really sweat that much. But let's pretend I worked up a frothy sweat. And I know, I don't don't understand what I said either. So... (laughs) 
You work up this frothy, disgusting sweat, and you just sit down. And you're like, wow, this is good. There's just a deep, like, there's a deep satisfaction that comes over to you when your lawn looks that good, you know? And it's even better with an ice-cold beverage. For me, that ice-cold beverage is lemonade. There's no greater feeling than sitting in my Costco comfy chair in the backyard overlooking all that I have, which is not much, but is mowed. And I'm like, wow, this, this is good. I used to work as a ranch hand, believe it or not, even though I can't do anything. I used to work as a ranch hand. I know, you don't, you didn't, there's layers to this onion that you have not yet discovered. I worked as a ranch hand, and one of the things that we did was burn piles of brush. And so they were kind of clearing some paths for horses and those kinds of things. So what you did, what you would do is you take a tractor or, you know, a skitsy or something like that, and you would just make giant piles of deadfall and then we would walk around the pile and throw anything else and we'd make a giant fire and let it burn and I know it sounds very environmentally friendly very green and uh it's what we would do and that's how you would make make the path and so we had a job of babysitting a fire because it was a little close to muskeg and if you know anything about muskeg if, if, if it burns into the ground then it will go underground and travel for an unknown distance into another area of muskeg and just randomly pop up with the fire somewhere else so we had to babysit it and so we sat there. We would do 12-hour days of randomly putting wood on the pile and watching it burn and then making sure that there was no other fire. Uh, and so needless to say, we sat down a lot, you know, because you just take a load off because you're going to be here for another 11 hours. And so you might as well just let that happen. Now, our boss, who's kind of a real type A strong personality, we could say, uh, decided one day, normally we could always hear him coming, you know, when you're taking an extended sit down because you're there for an extended period of time doing literally nothing uh, and pacing a fire makes no sense for 12 hours. You take, you sit down every once in a while. But that day, though we could normally hear him coming, he decided to ride in on a horse and we were sitting in the back of the truck. Now my boss and supervisor partner heard clip clop clip-clop, though I did not, and he slipped off the back of the truck, crawled along the side into the brush and came back <laughs> while I sat on the tailgate enjoying an ice-cold beverage going, look at all this, this is good, and then the boss was not all that thrilled because I just got caught sitting down, but there is a finality to when Jesus sits down. There is a finality when he says, listen, when I came, I came once and for all. My plan was to come and save. I came. I did it. I executed. I, was, I died on the cross. I rose back again. Now I'm up in heaven, and I'm going to sit down at the right hand of God and say, wow, this, this is good. There's a finality to it. He says, listen, mission accomplished. You know, I watched, uh, Des and I went away for our 10-year anniversary this summer, and we went and we did what anyone without kids does when they don't have kids for a while. So you just go to a movie. In a recliner, like legs all the way up. I'm like, I'm sitting down, and this is good. But we watched Mission Impossible, and did you notice that Tom Cruise never sits down in any Mission Impossible movie ever? 
He never sits down because mission is not accomplished. But Jesus sits down. He goes, listen, mission accomplished. I'm finished. It's done. It is finished. And he sits down. There is a finality. There is a confidence in what Jesus did and what he does for us. And he just sits down. This is what it says in Hebrews 10, 35. Fast forward a little further in that same chapter. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. I think we wrestle with this question. I want to be in God's will. I just want to be in the middle of God's plan and God's will. I just want to know what it is. That's why there's magazines and books and articles and journeys and courses and contemplative workshops and labyrinths. That's why we do all those things because we just want to know what God's plan is and we just want to be a part of it. God, I just want to be in the middle of where you are. I don't want to miss out. I got spiritual FOMO, fear of missing out. Had to clear that up because you look confused for a moment. And we, it's like, sometimes I think we think that God just like is in heaven and he just wants to hide on us for a while. Like as if he wants to be separate from us. As if he doesn't want to share what his plan is. As if he doesn't want to let us know what his will is. We're like, man, God, I think, you, are you playing hide and go seek with me? Marco, <laughs> are you out there? It's like when you head to a meeting, like you're supposed to have coffee with somebody, restaurant. And it's good to be a few minutes early, but the worst part about being early is that from the moment you arrive, you feel like that's when it should start. So everyone's extremely late from that moment, even if they arrive right on time. You're like, thanks, thanks for showing up. <laughs> but you, you were early. It's, this is what time. It's, but do you ever get that feeling of like straight panic when it's one minute past? and you relive your entire last three days of planning this coffee meeting, you're like, did I text them? Did I text the right number? Did I text at the right time? Did I tell them the right restaurant? Is it the right location? Did I specify this, this one? Is there more than one location? And you start, like, running down all the panic. Maybe something happened. Maybe they're in a car accident. Maybe I'm on the wrong day. Maybe it's the wrong week. Maybe my schedule's wrong. And you start kind of panicking because the person's one minute late or two minutes late or three minutes late, and you're like, oh, my goodness. Are they, we should call somebody. Are they... Like, are they okay? There's that panic that kind of sets in because you're like, wow, did we screw this all up? And then lo and behold, they walk in the door. They're fine. It's like, hey, sorry, had to feed the dog. But we just were like, oh, thank goodness you're alive. <laughs> what? We're crazy like that. We be crazy like that. And that's how most of us live our spiritual lives. You see, in that word, uh, when it says, do not throw away this confidence, that, that root word of uh, the phrase throw away has two meanings. It has an active meaning. It has a passive meaning. The active meaning is to, like take off your coat and throw it away. But there's a passive meaning, and the passive meaning uh, draws an analogy to a tree losing its leaves. One leaf at a time. You know, we're coming into fall. Seasons change. Sorry to remind you. But it just begins to leave one leaf at a time. And I think sometimes we get into these seasons or these times or these moments when our confidence and our trust in God, though we didn't intend for it, just seems to slip away one leaf at a time. 
Is this still his plan? Is this still, is this still it? Kind of waiting. And though we might not even quite understand that that's what's happening, we just kind of stand there like a tree in the middle of winter, just bare. Stripped of our God confidence because we're just trying to figure out, is this really what he has for me? But catch this in verse 36. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Did you you notice that? I'm going to read it one more. Just see if you catch it. Patient endurance is what you need right now so that you will continue to do God's will. Just, I'm going to say it one more time. Let's just see if we get it together. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. The implication being that if you hold on to a confident hope in Jesus, if you trust in him, and if you've lived your life and you pattern your life following him one step at a time, even in the midst of the waiting, even in the midst of the pain, even in the midst of the circumstance, the trial, or the success, that if you would follow him one step at a time, that you will are already right in the middle of God's will right in the middle of God's plan. And so what we need now is not another plan. We don't need another direction. We don't need another vision. We don't need another word. We don't need another idea. We don't need another inspiration. If we are following Jesus one step at a time, then what we simply need is patience, endurance to continue to do God's will. So you could relax. Just why don't you turn to somebody and say, relax. Just relax, all right? Relax. Turn to somebody else, the person you've been avoiding all morning, just say, relax. Just relax. Just relax. You don't have to spend so much time being obsessed with striving, finding, discovering, chasing down, tracking down, looking for God's word. Because when you have a relationship with him, that's active, living, alive, and it's constant, then if you just follow him, even if it's doing baby steps, and you are right square in the middle of God's will for you. Like, I don't know if this is true. Okay, you don't have to believe the Bible. Well, we'll go back to the Old Testament to explore. Psalm 37. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. We know this one. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hands. It just seems too easy that we, that, that we just need patient endurance to just stand here and be in the middle of God's plan. It seems like we need more, like we need more, we need more. No, that's just your human nature taking over and trying to override God's plan and direction for you. That's just you trying to speed up the process. That's just you trying to short-circuit the process. That's just you trying to make it harder because we like to live by a reward system and we feel like we earn some sort of merit from God by working harder. He says, it's never been about that. He says, how about we just walk together? And though you may stumble because there's going to be moments and there's going to be roots in the ground on the path that you trip over, you're not going to fall because he's going to hold you by the hand and carry you forward. Isn't it harder than this? Only because we've made it harder. 
only because we made it a mystery. God's will and God's plan was that Jesus would come, die on the cross, be resurrected so we could have a one-on-one personal relationship with Jesus so that we could then live out God's plan together, which is to reach the people who have not yet been reached, to give them the hope and help them discover the hope in the life that can only be found in Jesus. All the other stuff, all the other skills, all the other talents, all the abilities, all the other things that we carry in our life, including our hobbies and all the things that we like and that we love, are all tools in the hand of an incredible master who wants to use you as he created to you to reach people that only you can reach. Him through you, God's plan. Trust in the Lord, it says in Proverbs, with all your heart. You know this one. Do not depend on your own understanding. Get this. Seek his will in all you do. See, you don't live that far outside if you're in a general state of consultation. Here's what I mean by that. If you simply ask Jesus and check in, be like, hey, am I moving in the right direction on a regular basis? As he intended, God's plan. Then you will find yourself smack dab right in the middle of where he wants you to be. If we let the gap grow, the separation build, we can't hear his voice as clearly because we're putting some distance because it didn't meet our expectation or our timeline. And then it gets harder and harder to hear the still small voice because we're putting some gap because we're still processing our feelings on the matter because maybe we don't like you so much, Jesus, today because this is not exactly how I wanted it to go or where I want to be. And he says, you know what we need right now is some patient endurance so that you can continue to be in the midst of God's will. Patient endurance. Man, I hate patient endurance so much. (laughs) Right? That word endurance, the root word, literally means to stand your ground. How many times have you been tempted to shift or adapt or shimmy or dodge or just take one step to the right or take one step to the left because if you did that, it would just make you feel more comfortable and more confident and maybe make you feel like you've got some forward motion or some momentum and so you just kind of move your position. God says, hold on, what you need is some patient endurance, so stand your ground. In other words, don't move. Don't move. If, when all else fails and you don't know what to do, Access some patient endurance and stand your ground because if you stand your ground, you'll continue to be right in the middle. God's will, we got to trust Jesus. Here's the best part about all of this. Is that we don't have to trust the plan. We don't. That's not God's plan. God's plan isn't for us to trust the plan. It's not our job to buy into the process even, you know. Just trust the process. Don't trust the process. That's not how this works. We don't trust the plan. We don't trust the process. We don't trust the principle. We don't trust the policy. What we do is we trust the person. We trust the person whose name is Jesus, who gave his life for us, who's now calling us forward, says, listen, I want to do this whole thing with you. So you don't have to worry about getting away from me if you just stay right here close to me. Don't worry about the plan or the process of the ideas or don't worry about that thought stuff. Just trust me.
Now, here's the crazy thing. When Jesus calls us forward, that's also the moment that we realize that we've lost all of our God confidence. I'm not talking about not throwing away your individual confidence because that's a whole other conversation for a whole other day. Today, we're talking about losing our God confidence, lacking our confidence in God himself. Like a leaf coming off a tree, it didn't happen yesterday. It happened before you even knew it. Which is interesting because in John 10, 10, when it says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, the implication of steal is to steal without you even knowing that you've lost it, which is how we often lose our God confidence. It's when he calls us forward into the next thing that we're like, I can't do it. And he's like, you're right. That's why we're doing it together. Just can't. No, I just can't. No, no, no. We can do it together. Here, here's, what's, here's what's spectacular about Scripture is that we, make, we find these heroes in the Bible and we think that they're superhuman because of what they've done and what God's done through them. But really, they're just people who trust the person and not the process, who follow Jesus one step at a time and who stepped into the things that he already put into them and gave them. Here's the honest truth that, you, that we need to come to terms with. God gave you everything that you need you already have it to accomplish the things that he wants you to do in your lifetime. You got everything that you, are, you need. It's already in the backpack. You're already carrying it inside of you. He created you specifically for this thing. So when you're about to step into it, and you're like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. You're right. You can't do it on your own, but you could do it with Jesus because you don't feel strong enough to do it. But he says, in, in your weakness, I am made strong. So if you would trust me, don't trust the process. Trust me. And if we take one step forward, then we can do it together. And I'm going to pull out of you, Jesus speaking, he's going to pull out of you all the things that he put inside of you for the journey. I was watching Netflix the other day, and they have this guy, and he's a magician, and he can like just... He just does crazy things, and he was pulling just, like, everything out of a bag. You know that old trick, like Mary Poppins? Just pulling stuff out? The truth is, that's who Jesus is in our life. We have so much stuff that he's placed inside of us that he's getting ready to access that only he can reach into our heart and pull out. You can answer it. We'll just share together. <laughs> Listen, you're not the only one who has struggled with understanding whether or not we can step into what God has for us. There's this guy named Moses. Anyone familiar with a guy named Moses? Anyone heard of him? Anyone in the room? No, Brendan Paulson hasn't heard from him. Okay. You might have, you know, Charlton Heston, Ten Commandments. Now, I always get Ten Commandments and Gandalf mixed up. It's like, you shall not pass, but that's the wrong. It's the wrong thing. But, like, we're familiar with the account of, like, the water separating and people walking across, right? Egyptian army is chasing them. The Israelites are liberated. They're set free. They're, they're running into their promised land. And, and Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, realizes that he's made a terrible mistake and sends his army after them to slaughter all the slaves, millions of them. And God does a miracle and parts the water and everyone walks across. And then he just kills all the Egyptian army. Which we're like, is that okay? Yeah, it's fine. It's dog eat dog, kill or be killed. Good guys, bad guys. You're okay when your nation sends somebody to fight for you? Anyways. 
we digress and I'm going to get some emails. But <laughs> I'm willing to deal with the emails. Pastor Seb will respond. And, uh, <laughs> but we just see that as this incredible moment when, when, when Moses knew exactly what to do at the right time and that he just kind of did it and it was amazing. He's like, you shall not. Oh, that's not the right one. Open, you know. <laughs> but this is what actually happened in Exodus 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, so everyone is crying out to God, desperate. Oh, God, help us. They're coming to kill us. Help us. God says this to Moses in the midst of that. Why are you crying out to me? They're coming to kill us. (laughs) Tell the people to get moving. Water. So God says, pick up your staff, raise your hand over the sea, divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. Okay, great. And that's what Moses did, and that's what happened. But did you catch it? Why are you you crying out to me? Why are you asking me this? Just, Just do it. Moses already was given the authority, the power, and the capability spiritually to open up the waters. He already had it. That was already his destiny. It was already the plan. It was already the idea. This miraculous thing. God says, why are you crying out to me when I've just, I've given it all to you already? That staff, like now we don't need sticks and staffs because we have the power of the Holy Spirit. But then they needed something and God said, I put all of my power there for you to use when you needed it. You just had to access it. You're not the only one who feels like You can't make this next step because you don't know how, and it's going to take all kinds of things. Did you ever stop to think that if God called you forward, that if God had a plan for you, that if he whispered your name and coaxed you forward, that there would be provision there, that there would be ability there, that it's possible that you've already got everything that you need. You just need to trust the person. In Judges chapter 6, Gideon, same deal. God meets him while he's hiding out. He says, hey, mighty warrior, go take on this army. He's like, I am a coward. And God says this in verse 14, go with the strength you have. What? By Gideon's own admission, he's the smallest and the weakest clan of the smallest and the weakest family. How does he have any strength? God says, no, I made him. I hardwired him. I created him for this. Go with the strength that you have because everything that you need is already in you. If you would trust me and walk with me, then you've got it all. It's already there. It's already inside. I'm just going to pull it out of you. Go with the strength that you have. What? We go in the strength that we have, in a humble place, not a cocky place, in a humble place going, Jesus, I know that you've put everything that I need inside of me, but I'm I'm afraid and I'm nervous and and I'm scared. He says, no problem. In your weakness, I am strong. Just take the next step. Take the next step. Take the next step. And before you know it, you'll be places that you would have never thought you could be. You've done things that you could have never thought that you could have done. And you would have seen things that you would have never thought you would have seen in a lifetime when God begins to access the things that he's placed inside of you and begins to pull it out one step at a time. Get this in verse 16 of Judges 6. We're going to wrap it up right here. I love this line. 
He says, the Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. He said, go crush them. But when you go crush them, a whole army of 300 guys about to take out a whole army. He says, go crush them. And when you do it, it's as if you're going to be fighting against one man. You know who I think that one man is? The only person Gideon had to fight in that entire battle was himself. He had to remember not to trust the process, not to trust the policy. Don't trust the principle. Trust the person in Jesus. And as he calls me forward, then we're going to get exactly where we need to go. Christine Kane says it like this. Maturity is trusting in God's character over our feelings. You ever feel not emotionally prepared for it? Let me drop this on you as a bonus. 1 John 3.20. God is greater than our feelings. <laughs> what? If your emotions are the boss, you're doing it wrong. And I say that in most polite way possible but God is greater than our feelings even when we don't feel it even when we don't get it even when we're not picking up the vibes if this is what he's calling us to then we just have to take the next step and understand that there's so much just around the corner that wholeness and fulfillment and all those things will follow because you know what's more powerful than trusting my feelings trusting in Jesus the creator of the universe I trust the person not my feelings on this matter. Hebrews 12. We do all of this, 12-2, by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Thanks so much for listening. I know God's got a great plan and a purpose for you, and I know that it's not a mistake that you were listening to this message today. So if you want to reach out, if you need someone to talk to, feel free to send us an email, hello at engagechurch.ca. If you want to learn more about our church, you want to come check us out live and in person uh, for the real deal, then get all the information online at engagechurch.ca. I'm Brett. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening. And if you're running or you're at the gym right now, you got this. Go get it.